Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to uh, episode three of Bored to Death. I'm John. I'm Kayla. And um, yeah, this is a, a, a board game tabletop themed podcast. Mm-hmm. What else is it? I don't know. I didn't think of anything. Wow, you gave up so quick. Yeah, last time. But I, I... You said you were going to have something new every episode. You've already given up on episode three. Yeah. Quitter. Yeah, I try. I believed in you more than that. Nope. Jeez. But, yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed the last two episodes. Um, We're going to dive into some more stuff uh, this episode. But before we get into that, um, kind of moving into the topic at hand, um, we wanted to discuss something a little more personal between us. Yeah, uh, well, today we're, we're going to talk about themes overall today, and it really got me thinking more about how... For our wedding, we did a board game themed wedding, which I was very proud of that idea. Like, super proud. Um, everything had board game themes from our save the dates to the programs to the table decorations. Centerpieces. I was very proud. Yeah, it was like board game slash yard game. Well, yeah, because yard games are more party centric. So, yeah. lots of cornhole, but there was giant Jenga, which is sort of a board game. Yeah, it is played on a flat surface. Yeah, yeah, technically. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that, sure. Um, but yeah, so I had gone to like Goodwill and all the other thrift stores and secondhand stores and bought all the old school like saris and things like that. Yeah, Monopoly, Game of Life. What else do we have? Uh, Scrabble. Um, um, shit. Yeah, and I can't remember now. But there were lots of them, lots of old games. and We like, glued all the pieces yeah, to make we, it like, look like... Yeah, we hot glued pieces to the... To the table, to, or to the board. Look, to make it look like people were playing them for whatever. It was. It really was unnecessary, but, you know, it was a good craft thing that didn't cost a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, saved us a shit ton on other things. Yeah, thanks, things. Pinterest. I came up with that myself. That's nowhere on Pinterest. Uh, the, Get out of here. Yeah, Pinterest, like, just fucking... Yeah, fuck you, Pinterest. Yeah, whatever. So there's that. Um, and so we had that, we had, uh, decks of cards at every table, which was something that those cards are still in our basement. Yeah, nobody took them. I would really like it. If somebody needs a decks of cards, we've literally got 25 decks of cards yeah, in the we'll basement. Yeah, we'll send them to you. Fuck Please them. get them, get them out of my house. That's where I'm at. I clean, every time I clean the basement, there's just a box filled. And I say every time because... You clean that room and I don't. I clean the room and you don't, precisely. Yeah. But then um, one of my favorite things about the board games uh, is that when somebody who's sitting across from me right now was very drunk. Fucking wasted. At the end of the night, um, one of the servers from the catering company came up to me and they asked if we wanted to save all of the board games, the boards on the table. Now, I don't like to keep shit. I'm not very sentimental in that way. I don't like stuff hanging around, which is weird considering the thing we're talking about and takes up a lot of space in our home, but it's practical. We use it. So I decided I needed to ask John what his thoughts were, because I I said to the server, if I don't ask him and I throw these away, he's going to be pissed at me. It seems like a really bad way to start marriage right now. But you probably could have gotten away with it, because I wouldn't have never fucking known. You wouldn't have had any clue. So I yell across the room several times. John keeps getting distracted because he's drunk and talks even more when he's drunk. Rude. Which is shocking, I know. And I finally get you to come over by me and I said, this guy wants to know if we want to keep any of 
the, t- the decorations on the table. I said, do you want to keep them? And instead of just giving a yes or no question, John throws his arm around a complete stranger who has served us alcohol pretty much the entire night and says, listen, man, I know you don't know me, but like, find someone you love and sit around a table and play a board game. And that was one of the last things. You don't even remember it. Let's go ahead and be honest. I remember some of it. And then uh, you called the uh, lift to get us to the bar. You... I didn't call a lift. Come on now. Someone else did that. It doesn't matter. Then you stuffed me into the back seat and then shut the door and I blacked out. Yep. And that was the... That what? And that was that. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, we're talking about <laughs> themes this episode. And um, just like for for people who aren't super into board games, we're hoping like the podcast that we're doing is kind of the, the gateway into things and why we enjoy this so much and the reason being is that there's so many different games that you could bring to the table that even mechanically if they play similarly thematics are a way that you could bring so much more out of board games yeah it becomes more of an immersive experience it becomes something like reading a book on the table but it's over in an hour you know sometimes reading a book is exhausting it's very long yeah, and the ending can really blow. Yeah, and at least when you're playing a game, you get to kind of dictate towards the end, you know? Yeah, and somebody's going to lose, whether it's cooperative or competitive. Somebody <laughs> loses. Somebody will lose this game, no matter what. Yeah, so um, why they matter in our favorite games, like I said, it's a good way to stand out, even if mechanics are similar, um, but they give weight to playing and winning, right? So... It feels so much cooler if you're playing like a cooperative horror game and you're fighting zombies or you're fighting like some fucking Cthulhu ass monster or or all the. I never know what that means. What does Cthulhu? What is a Cthulhu monster? You know Cthulhu. Isn't it like a like an octopus? So, all right. So we're gonna sidetrack. I I didn't know you didn't know this. So you, you say it a lot. Do you know that H? Do you know the author H. P. Lovecraft? Yeah. So he does like I mean, a lot an asshole, of. So. Was he? Yeah, total sexist. Well, fuck. We, we can I talk don't about know. That yeah, I, the, I, I literally had no idea. One of the podcasts that I listen to references often references him often, but they always give like an asterisk of, "Yeah, this was this guy was fucked up," but like we can talk about the things he did for the literary community and still appreciate uh, where he took things. Yeah. And find authors similar to him. It's kind of like how when I say I really like Charles Bukowski. And I'm like, well, he was a misogynist, a drunk, and a really big giant fucking douchebag. But yeah. what he contributed to the literary world is very important. Anywho. <laughs> You're welcome for that sidetrack, everyone, by the uh, way. Cthulhu is like... Um, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type and show you real quick because I have to. What about this have to do with Lovecraft? Well... Because I, it's hard to explain like what Cthulhu is. He's like this fucking. Was a sea creature? Not really. He he's was... like an interdimensional monster. Ugh, he's and, gross. Yeah, he's not normal. It's like he's a cosmic entity created by H.P. Lovecraft. Um, yeah, and it's all about like cosmic horror and like all right mind control shit and end of the world stuff. I mean, I've seen this. Uh... This kind of picture before, this graphic of Cthulhu from mostly board games, so. Yeah, um, 
Eldritch Horror is Cthulhu scene. Okay, that might be probably where I've seen it. Yeah. So what the like giving weight to playing and winning matters with thematics and games because you vanquished this monster, you survived on the island, you built the city, you were able to do all these things and it just it, it to like immerse yourself into that and to to play games like that, it just to me it matters more. I don't that that's weird to think about because when you're thinking about like sitting down and playing something, a lot of it's like, oh, in a video game, you comp- you completed this chapter, you beat this boss, you defeated this enemy, you completed this side quest. Well, sometimes I feel like a good theme is also like you. We look for the similar things in board games and in video games, mm-hmm. right? So that's a fair comparison because I don't like I don't like to usually don't like to play video games where the goal is just to go out and kill someone, right? Like That's not true. I mean, I said that's why I said usually. I was gonna say we've been playing a lot of Call of Duty Warzone and you're like, I'm gonna fuck this it's shit because up. Because that it's the repetitive nature your brain needs at a time like this. Yeah. But think about like Overwatch and mm-hmm. how much that captured our attention, especially mine, for a very long time. Yeah. But that's a that's a theme. I know, but I feel like Overwatch does not a great idea because or not a great job because they don't tell you the story up front. You have to go and seek it out, which is kind of crappy. But I agree, I do like that. But to be able to play things like that, it just feels like you're accomplishing something, and it just feels good that way. But it doesn't always have to be that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think about games where the theme was different, but the gameplay was similar. Um. I, and I'm not I'm not sure I'm coming up with with much there because I, but like we've we've had different card game I guess deck building is probably one of the best examples of games with a theme that make the game different but even though the play is similar so in deck building your goal is to create a better deck than the person you're playing against yeah and everybody starts with the same base deck of cards yeah usually, usually or something similar like mm-hmm. everybody's is very similar and you gather cards. To continue to make your deck bigger. So you might only have five at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could beat somebody up or buy stuff or something of that nature. So thinking about that, we have a Harry Potter deck building game. Which is co-op. Which is co-op. But we also have a game called Clank. And Clank in space because we're cool kids and have two versions of the same game. Um, but they are very different games. One is hyper competitive. One is co-op. One is Harry Potter magic themed. The other is trying to get out of the dungeon yeah, with what? as much treasure as possible. Like, they couldn't be more different mm-hmm. in theme. But if you know how to play one, you know how to play the other. I just came up with that. We were talking about this 20 minutes ago, and I couldn't come up with something. And <laughs> uh, I'm very proud of myself for getting there. I was thinking of two deck-building games. But they're, they could their gameplay is so different, but the base mechanic of... Buying cards to get a better deck. Yeah, or to build the same. or to not necessarily. I mean, the goal is a better deck, but also to build a deck that's conducive to how you want to play and win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like I feel like that's a lot of the trap that a lot of people who just buy a lot of games like we we have a lot of games, but we don't like buy an exorbitant amount at one time. We don't buy everything that we want. Yeah, and I think like not to get off track, but like. One of those ways to dig yourself out of that hole is to kind of find a, find a mechanic that you like and then find different variations of that mechanic. So it feels different when exactly. you play a different game. Mm-hmm. Because I, until this moment, had never thought about how similar the Harry Potter game 
and uh, Clank actually are in the way that you play them because you're buying cards from a from like an inventory basically, mm-hmm. and you're trying to beat stuff up with the other pieces. I hadn't I actually had never thought about how similar they are in gameplay. It's just man, we got people we could teach Clank to. <laughs> Now that I've connected those dots. Yeah, but it's not unlike um, Star Realms either, mm-hmm. to where you start out with the base deck, you're, build, you're building oh, yeah. or collecting bases and spaceships. It's your favorite game. Fucking hate that game. I never win Star Realms. If anybody's played this game, it's so simple. There's not a whole lot to it. It just you're you're building up your deck through deck building and collecting different things and you have currency that you can spend every round and you're trying to do damage to your opponent. It's only a two-player game. Yeah, it's you a two-player pl- game. You could play up to four if you have two sets. Um, and I've tried every different strategy and I get fucking wrecked every time we play. Yeah, I, I don't know why. It's my favorite game to lose. Because I'm so... <laughs> it's it's almost... It's the point where it's borderline demoralizing well, it's to, to see the how... Well, it's the where I uh, wasn't even... Doing the full effect of my damages to you the last time we were playing because I felt bad. Yeah. Like, I actually was starting to feel bad because I was kicking your ass. I think I need a handicap to see how, like, (laughs) because I just feel like we started that game and I'm on life support for, like, 40 minutes and it's bad. Yeah, the game isn't even supposed to last that long. But, um, so we talked about mechanics. So when it comes to themes, um, they matter a whole lot in like narrative driven spaces too right so a lot of the stuff that we're we're talking about it's like it might have a goofy theme like star realms where it's just like oh spaceships and you're doing damage and collecting shit it doesn't really matter a whole lot but then you get into games like clank where it's like oh well your objective is that you're an adventurer and you want to go down into the dungeon and collect treasure but then you need Mm -hmm. to get out with the treasure and to survive yeah, otherwise you lose. You drop it and you lose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, in terms of like the themes go from so many different spaces too, right? Like we just started playing Mice and Mystics and which uh is as I feel like from us playing Dungeons and Dragons uh also with a separate group of friends, it's probably the closest thing that we have to a tabletop Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, a lot more structured and has its own set of systems, but like you're playing with specific characters, they have a level up system, and yeah, you're playing through a campaign. Yeah, definitely, and, and it's for sure a narrative game, right? The whole point of this game is to tell a story. Um, well, the way they set it up is super cute, and I kind of feel bad that it's so system heavy because that that to me is like the perfect game to like if you want to teach your kids how to play. It just, to me, it feels like because mm-hmm. the game starts off and it's oh, you like... you totally could, though. Kind of. It, to me, that would be difficult because it's so rules-heavy. But it starts off with, like, a grandpa mouse telling a story to... Or is it, no, is it a grandpa telling a story to a grandson? It doesn't matter. Like, there's mice and shit. It's very thematic. It has a very good read to it as you're going through things and completing things um, through the campaign. Like, you'll stop and then read some more dialogue of, of things going on. So it's very cute that way. Yeah, and the, it's one of those games where if the theme wasn't there, there wouldn't be a game. Yeah, essentially. Like, it, it wouldn't matter. It would be it would be just be you moving around the board, fighting things for no reason. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, the theme is actually integral to the game. Otherwise, it wouldn't matter. It's true. And, you know, we talk about games like... Um, if anyone's played Betrayal at House on the Hill, that's also... Very thematic because it starts as a co-op game, then moves to a like 
three v one or a four v one sort of dynamic. But yeah, it's, it really likes to fuck over new people. It really does, and it's not the first time. So, uh, essentially, you're just exploring a mansion, a haunted house, and you collect certain items. You roll dice, and then um, certain things based on your dice roll trigger another another. Um, Some kind of event in the book. Yeah, basically. it's not really well. It, it triggers an event, but it's like a whole nother kind of segment to the game. So you start out just looking through shit, building up, trying to get powerful, and then you trigger the event, which usually ends up being one person versus the rest of everybody mm-hmm. else playing. But it has the story, and it has why you're going against people, and it brings out different rules, but it's very goofy in, in that respect. But again, mm-hmm. it wouldn't really matter. The, oh, yeah. the gameplay would be kind of dry if it just didn't have some kind of like flavor text behind it. For sure. I mean, I feel I was thinking about this a lot and I'm I'm still sticking by that a lot of themes in games tend to live around survival and horror. I'm sticking with it. A lot of bigger, especially the bigger games, like our big box games where we spent good money yeah. on those games tend to be um, survival and horror, right? Like Robinson Crusoe was a survival game. The whole point is to make it out alive. Yeah, basically. And, I mean, you complete different objectives, but if you don't, you usually starve to death or freeze to death or get eaten alive by animals. Robinson Crusoe, if we'll, we'll get into uh, how to break into to board games in future episodes, but just as a side note, and we'll, like I said, we'll come back to it down the road, but be careful how you're buying games when you start because we started <laughs> off pretty casual and we like worked our way in because. It does take a little bit of research or you'll kind of just mm-hmm. burn yourself out on things. Robinson Crusoe is not an entry game. Yeah, and somebody bought it very early in our collection. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted it so badly and we spent, what, like $80? I don't think it was that much. I think it was that much. It doesn't matter. Um, and so we sat down on vacation and thought this was the right time to learn how to play. With two other people who weren't very into board games? At the time, no. They were not very invested and that was a terrible game to try and start with them. Mm-hmm. It's very long. Uh, it we will later, bend you over a table. Well, here's the thing. So we later played it with other people who are actually better at explaining board games than we are, better at understanding rules, because I think the rules were written pretty shittily, too. They are, and there's like a whole series of like references and... and Appendix and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Very complicated. And when we played it with them, we had a great time. Yeah. But the whole theme... Is to survive. Yeah. And similarly, uh, Dead of Winter is horror and survival. Yeah. Right? It is. But, like, um, that game has a very interesting system. I don't know if you're... We've only played it once or twice. But it has uh, the crossroads mechanic where you're drawing cards and it's telling a story and a theme. And then that one has, like, uh, a traitor element. Mm -hmm. I remember the traitor. I remember that piece. Yeah, yeah. We haven't played that. We haven't played that as much. We need more people to really justify bringing that game to the table. Yeah, because it's tough. Because games like that, they're long, regardless of the amount of players you have. Because things, the rounds go quickly, but the objectives are what take long. Mm-hmm. So, but with with that being said, as well, once you get into like sort of legacy games too, and we went over what legacy mm-hmm. games were, and those are nothing but story. Those are yeah. you literally just going from the start of of them trying to build a narrative and take the mechanics and the themes and just build it out through a, a 
beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. And themes uh, themes are super important in those. I feel like it's just so so important to get that right. Or like halfway through a, a legacy game, you'll be like, well, "Fuck this." Yeah, what's this. the point? Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah. So I, I, there are different ways that like the mechanics. We talked about the deck building piece already, but different different other aspects that support the theme. I'm. I really think the biggest one is role selection. I was thinking about this a lot and how is if there is even a game with a solid theme where you don't pick a character, right? We talked about pandemic last week and all the different roles you can play, and then you mentioned earlier how Forbidden Island, which is a very similar game to mm. pandemic. Just a little easier, I think, if we're being honest. Forbidden Island is a little easier. Yeah, it's a, it's a little less... Um, I'm trying to it's think. It's a little less of an asshole to you as a player. Yeah, I feel like. it gives you more of a fighting chance. I feel like if you're trying to get into board games and something like Pandemic or other games like that are a little intimidating... Forbidden for, Island is great. And it's cheap. And it's easy to learn. The mm-hmm. rules are great. And on Forbidden Island, you're basically... You've been, you've been left on this deserted island... Um, and the island is sinking, so you need to uh, gather all the relics, all the cool shit on this island. You're just going to take it with you because if the island's going to sink, you might as well take the cool shit back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is to get off the island with all your people uh, before the whole island goes down. Yeah. And you got to wait for that helicopter to come and get you. Or you go down with it. Or you go down with it and you all lose. Yeah, and that's really cool too because like, there's like roles like a scuba diver... Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the other roles? I think there's like a construction worker or something where you can shore up some of the pieces of the island. Like if they, if some of the islands start sink. sinking, you could essentially, if you were the construction worker, if I'm remembering correctly, you could dig it back up, mm-hmm. essentially. Or swim through sunken tiles and stuff like that. So to me, that game, it, it's tile-based, so you lay things down differently every time you play. Mm-hmm. But it's so dramatic. I love it. And the thing is, when we first bought this game and we were playing it, the rules say something about, like, you're going to be fully invested in this stressful game and you're going to be trying to get off this island like no other. And John's like, ugh, stupid. Yeah, I'm never going to care that much. It seemed fucking goofy. Like, I was like, eh, whatever. And then, like, three beers in, I'm like, yo, we got to get the fuck off this island. <laughs> Shit's not right. It's not right. It's a great game. Uh, similarly, in terms of roles... Um, if anybody has ever played Bang, the dice game... We have the dice game. We but, have the dice game. I don't know that I've the, played the regular one. It plays similarly, but without rolls, you just have cards in your hand versus okay. rolling the dice. Well, in that game, it's a basically like a, a Western game where your goal is to figure out who the outlaws are. Well, yeah, it, well, it pits certain teams with different objectives against each other, right? So you have a sheriff and a deputy. It's a hidden role game. So everybody starts the game with a specific role mm-hmm. and an objective. The sheriff has to kill the uh, outlaws. The, yeah. Then the sheriff has a deputy, but nobody knows who anybody is. There's a few other things. The only one you know is the sheriff, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and then everybody has a different role, which mm-hmm. is like somebody is like a Billy the Kid sort of person. Somebody else is like all these different mm-hmm. kind of western themed characters and they have different abilities and that's very like shootout kind of yeah it's a great game for a lot of people when you're not interested in playing a party game yeah because it's easy and it goes fast oh yeah like every round like and it's like it goes until the people the the group of people have their own objective completed Mm -hmm. but it's quick people get eliminated every round so and the theme matters Mm mm-hmm 
And then the, the last one that I was thinking about with role selection um, is actually, we were talking about it before, the Harry Potter game. The role selection, I would say it kind of matters in that game, only because you're choosing between like being Harry Potter, Hermione, Ron, and Neville, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we needed a fourth, so this could be a four-player game, so they just like threw Neville Longbottom in there, which is hilarious to me. And that's cool, too, because it's a deck-building game where normally everybody starts out with the same deck, but based on the character that you pick, you have different starting... You have different uh, items and, mm-hmm. and... They're similar in, like, what they do, but they're just a little bit different. So, like, um, if you have Hermione, you have her cat yeah. with you, which that's why I always pick Hermione, so I can have the cat. Yeah, and I... I, I yeah, I know, but I forget who... I usually play as Neville. I don't know who the fuck he has. Wow, that's going to bug me. I'm not I think he has a mandrake. No, I think it's a mandrake. No. Man- no. A mandrake is a is a plant. Yeah, but I think that's his... Is it, his it doesn't matter. No. You, you, we just watched Chamber of Secrets and uh, Neville fainted by the mandrakes. Remember? That's right. That's why that's top of mind for you. That's what all of our plants are going to do when we try and fucking take care of them. Pretty much. Scream and die. Yep. Um... Another big thing we we want to discuss when it comes to themes and board games is uh, mature versus casual themes in board games. Because I feel like that's one of the biggest obstacles I feel like I have, or maybe you could agree, is when you're explaining the hobby of tabletop or board gaming. It's like, oh, you play board games. It's like, oh, what do you play? Monopoly? And it's like, no... Monopoly is actually the worst game of all say, time. Are you going to make your adult games reference again? You already did that in one of our episodes. Yeah, I know. But it's just like, that's <laughs> that's the problem. It's like, do you choose a game that's so heavily like mature themed that it's tough to bring to a table with younger people? Or do you have a more casual game that's easier to teach? I've, I mean, I feel like the way we started playing board games, they were a little more casual, right? Yeah. Like, Machikoro is a game that was one of the first games that we bought, and the artwork is very simple. Um, in Machikoro, you basically have a small city in front of you, and you roll dice, and um, hopefully you roll a number uh, that matches a card in front of you, and if you do, that activates that card. So if you roll a three, and the three card in front of you has get get two coins, then you get two coins. Yep. And I feel like that was a good way to, like, start playing games, right? Because it was so simple. The art was very pretty. But I also kind of feel like as a as a theme, it could have been anything, right? Like it was technically building a city. It could have been owning a zoo. Yeah. Right? Like it could have been anything like that. Like the theme kind of mattered. Um but I'd say that the gameplay matters more in a game like that versus the actual theme because we could have been building anything. Yeah. I don't know. That's my thought. That's true. And then you go from like something as simple as that where, again, you can enjoy it at any age. But then you go to like a co-op card game called The Grizzled, which is so mm-hmm. painfully fucking depressing. So depressing. Where you're, it's real dark. Your World War One soldiers f- like fighting it out just to survive. In the trenches. In, yeah. You're, it specifically says, doesn't it? In the yeah. trenches? Hmm? Yeah. I mean, without the theme, that game doesn't matter. 
at all. Yeah, just people dying in holes. <laughs> what do you want to bring oh. to the table today? Oh, the hole dying game. What? Yikes. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and I think one of the other games that we play that I think the theme matters a lot to the gameplay is called Euphoria. And Euphoria is a really, it's a, it's a complicated game. There's a lot of moving pieces. It's difficult to win. And it can be hard to see your path to victory. But it's basically a worker placement game. But your workers are the dice that you've rolled. Um, and when you place them there, place them in different spots, you get different things, very similar to what we were talking about before. But the theme is that you, that you're kind of managing these workers and these workers don't realize they're being taken advantage of. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, well, the theme of, um... The theme is capitalism. Well, it's, it's dystopian. Yeah. And it's the, the catchphrase of the game is building a better dystopia. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so one of the things that I think really lends itself to the theme the most is that you want to make sure your workers are happy so that they'll keep working for you, but you can't let them get too smart because they'll figure out that you're working them to death. And it's one of the darkest, most real themes, I think, that exists in a board game, if we're being honest. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because it, uh, a mechanic for the game is that you can build up resources and then gain more dice, and your dice are your workers, but if... You roll too high of a number and uh, workers become too smart, then some of them leave. Mm-hmm. So then you're back down because your workers became too... So you have fewer workers to do the work you need them to do. Yeah. It's it's definitely... the It's one of the darkest, like I said, but the board is very beautiful. It's very bright colored and it's very deceptive in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love this game. Yeah. I would play it all the time. Yeah, and a cool game like that, too, is that there's so many different paths to victory. Mm-hmm. Is that it's not everybody just fighting over the same handful of things. It's like, oh, if you could do these certain abilities or place these workers in a certain way each round, then it's a little fuck you if you don't get to certain things at certain times. There are penalties mm-hmm. to other players. but Especially not, with two people. Yeah. Which we know from experience. Mm-hmm. But with that being said... Themes don't have to make complete sense or matter when it comes to a really good board game. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's one of the games we just picked up? Dice City. Mm-hmm. It's like, it has kind of a theme. Yeah, I mean, the theme, when you're reading in the rules, it's like, hey, um, the Queen City has just fallen. She's looking to you to build her a new one. And she wants to have the best city. And you're going to gain victory points by doing blah, blah, blah things. And if you have the most points, then she picks your city and you win. Lazy asshole should just do it herself. Yeah, she really should. Fuck the monarchy. (laughs) Right? Right? Am I right? Um, Yeah, I mean, we're down on uh, capitalism and the monarchy so far today. That's good. Uh, But, so that's, that's technically the theme. But when you're playing... I'm not sitting here thinking about how am I making the queen happy. I'm just trying to build a badass city so I so mine's better than yours. I yeah. And honestly, it, it doesn't even really matter that it's a city. Kind of similar to Machi Koro that we were talking about, right? Like, we could be building anything as long as the cards interact in the same way that they do in the game. Mm. And, and we love it. We've played it. We've had it for, what, a week and a half, and we've played it three times. Yeah, it's very, very addicting. Because it's just quick. Everybody's doing... Like, you're doing something every round. It's very tactile. And it's not super competitive. Maybe that's part of the reason it appeals to us right now. Yeah. 
we can't deal with super competitive games. They get rough. Yeah, I think things get vicious around here if they're too competitive. We burned our house down twice. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But yeah, like even games like um, we have a game called Mystic Veil. And Mystic Veil is a very unique game. It's a deck building game, but it's also a card crafting game where you're building, like everybody has uh same set of cards, but you slip other cards inside of the sleeves of those cards to build your own kind of To build better cards. Yeah. And that's kind of a, a mechanic. Um, it's deck building, but also engine building to where you're trying, you craft certain cards and you hope that you get the right combinations to trigger just chain reactions to get as many things out as you can. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure that's the engine building piece. I think you already said it. It was card crafting. Yeah. More so. Um, but the the theme is actually very fantasy, you're, sci-fi. Yeah, you're like a fucking druid or some shit. And... Yeah, I'm not going to lie. So we won this game in a <laughs> raffle at a game store by our house. I think we went on like Small Business Saturday or some shit and bought something, obviously. And we won the raffle and we were, were friends with the guy who owns the store and we're like, how convenient, really. Um, yeah, so we won this game, and we brought it home, and we opened it up, and we were like, when the fuck are we ever going to play this game? This looks like a game for super nerds. Um, and it sat on our shelf for like a year. At least a year. I think it sat on the shelf for much longer than that. And when we finally busted it out and realized how much of a similar mechanic it was to other games, but just the card, the card crafting system was so unique that we'd never played anything like that, that we were like, oh my god, this great game, this nerdtastic game was just sitting on our shelf. We never played it, and now we have an expansion for it and everything. It's a great game. Yeah. And don't let the weirdo fairy on the cover freak you out. Because I was like, why, what, I think it's a fairy. Hmm. I don't know, there's something weird on the co- on the, <laughs> on the box of the game that I just, I, I never would have picked this game up. I don't pretend to be an artist, I couldn't have drawn that shit on my best day. Me either. That's not the point. No. The point is, the theme of this game really doesn't matter. Yeah. True. But it's a great game. Yeah, and when you come back to like themes that don't matter but have great gameplay, um, something like Hive, where it's just like a modified kind of chess-like game mm-hmm. where you're trying to just, the simple mechanics of moving your different bug army around to surround uh, your opponent's queen bee, or I think of something like Splendor, where it's like, what the fuck are you really doing? You're just... Co- just trading gems, trying to get better gems. Yeah, but like... That's it. Gun to your head. Like, if you had to explain that to somebody, oh, what? who are you in this game? I'm just a, a tradesperson. Gem collector? It sounds I, fucking I'm actually lame. pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. Gem collector. I'm pretty confident that's what the rules say. It just sounds fucking lame. Yeah, but... Moral of the story, this theme doesn't always matter. Exactly. And just like a game like, uh, I'm trying to think of one more that comes to mind, like Istanbul. Yeah. You're literally just some fucking trade person moving around a bazaar to collect gems. Yeah. Also gems. Weird. No, is that rubies? I mean, it's technically rubies. I'm pretty sure that's what it says. It and they look like rubies when you hold them. That's true. I wish they were real rubies. I would have paid more. So... Um, and, and just to wrap stuff up, like, I guess we could talk about some of our personal favorite themes in, in board gaming. Yeah, you should go first. I, f- and 
Anything else, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge horror buff. I like horror video games and, and some board games. The problem with horror board games is that they kind of tend to be longer, more drawn-out experiences, so we mm-hmm. don't get them to the table as often. But god damn, do I love fucking pirates. I love it. I love everything. It just lends itself to, like, the perfect experience we have uh, a love game. pirates. I don't know why. Because I really don't even give a fuck about, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, <laughs> any of that shit. Like, I, I can't think of anything else that, like, I get immersed with pirates. But just, it's such a good, it's such a good theme for board games. Because you move, like, we have a certain game where you move your ship around. And you, you mm-hmm. control different islands. And you add different crew members. And it's very... Very, like, kind of swashbuckly, sort of. What? Swashbuckling. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Don't worry about it. It's pirate shit. Is it another Cthulhu thing that I should know, that, know but... Uh, well, yeah, so we're going to educate you real quick, and we're just going to, you know... Swashbuckling. Buckling? Right? Look at even Google is, like, no fucking clue what you mean, bro. Yeah, a swashbuckler. A swashbuckling... <laughs> Wow, thanks for the education here. Wow. Thank God you never became a teacher. Good uh, God. Swashbuckler is a genre of European adventure literature focusing on heroic protagonist stock trader who is a skilled swords play, acrobatics, guile, and chivalric, chivalrous. You know I, what? We're going to have to ask ask Casey if there's going to be a swashbuckler at our circus in our D&D campaign because that's what that sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like some bullshit. Sword play, aerobatics. Arab, is that how you say that word? Aerobatics? Acrobats. Ooh, I'm smart. It's fine. Yeah, you're the one with the, the higher degree here. Ooh, yikes. Reading, reading stuff. <laughs> but yeah, pirates are cool as shit. Then we also have another game that is a co-op called Dead Men Tell No Tales. And it's literally, the, the point of the game is you've just raided this pirate ship. And this fucker is on fire. Well, you're a pirate who raided another pirate ship. Yeah. And you gotta get the fuck out. And this shit is ready to blow, and you only have X amount of turns to move through the different rooms of the ship to collect the treasure, to fight skeletons, and all this other stuff. And it's just very cool. The board is cool. All the components are very unique. And to me, that just, it's, I don't know, I I don't think of another game that just plays that well. You can't walk by any pirate game. I can't. Um, I feel like for me, one of the themes we didn't really talk about, though, is more nature-y kind of themes. Um, and I actually think nature-themed games are really more where I like to live, right? Think about Seikatsu, where you're trying to build the most zen garden. And there's something about competing to be the most zen that just always appeals to me. That's hilarious. We also have uh, a game called Bosque, where you're basically, you're managing a national park. And, um... You're managing it through the seasons, and you want to attract the most visitors, cover the most land. It's competitive, but it's fucking gorgeous. And you have a squirrel friend. Yeah, you have a squirrel friend. Who doesn't want a squirrel friend? It's true. And then, I mean, people who are susceptible to die from rabies. I mean, yeah, you know, details. Uh, we can have our own uh, Michael Scott's 5K fun run race for the cure. I can't come up with the rest of it. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. Um, but we also have... The game called Parks, mm-hmm. um, where your goal is to visit the most national parks, essentially, and you're a hiker on a trail, and you're just moving through, trying to get points, do stuff, 
And I think that's my favorite, favorite game at this point. Like, because it's so unlike any other one, but that nature piece is in there. Even Takenoko that we talked about last week has kind of a nature feel to it, right? Grow the bamboo, eat the bamboo, have the panda go around, things like that. I'm starting to think nature. Nature is my favorite theme because it's always a beautiful game. Yeah, I mean, there there are other things that lend themselves to just be more versatile with their themes. Like, mm-hmm. um, we keep looking at, or not we, I say we because this is yeah, a joint effort. Back up. But I love, like, theme park-themed games. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you can have so many different elements in that game that represent different things. You mm-hmm. can have ones that's like, we have Steam Park, which is like, Building all the different kinds of rides and managing the spaces that you build rides on for combos. But, yeah, I would say right like, right now pirates are, are kind of the right shit. Right now, always pirates for you. Well, even um, even the ancient world, kind of rem- it, it, it's very kind of pirate-y to me in that respect where it's like... I suppose. You're fighting like these m- massive monsters and you're... Cthulhu. Man- Cthulhu monsters. They're not. Some of them look like it. That's fair. But it's like very fantasy and they're attacking your city. I'm just trying to show you I've learned something. Oh, okay. I want you to say that word again. What was it? Swashbuckler? No. You mean acrobatics? Yeah. (laughs) Nailed it. I learned two things today. Two things. But yeah, so um, themes are important. That's really the the thing that we want to drive that's um, our thesis statement here. Themes are important. Ugh, I don't want to think about episodes of like being theses. <laughs> what do you think of main idea? It's a main idea. You made an outline. Here we are talking about it. Nobody came here for a fucking college seminar. I mean, I would go to this class. That's true. Wouldn't you go to this class? Hey, uh, if anybody is looking for adjunct professors bullshit about board games for a semester, I would do it for a very cheap rate. No, I'm an expert. I expect to be paid top dollar. Well, I'm more. To, I'm willing to hoe it out for less money than you, so Jeez, I might get the job. Brand. Rude. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us uh, for this episode of Bored to Death. Um, if you found us on our website, yay! That's been the ultimate goal here. So, Bored to Death Podcast There you can find. Uh, all of our episodes. You can also find blog entries and our entire collection of games that we own. I'm pretty proud of that. That took forever. You could also find our uh, personal Instagrams and the board game Instagram, which is... Board to Death Podcast. Yep, so just search that and you can see stupid pictures of us playing board games and drinking and our cats. Yeah, because the cats like games too. Yeah, but only like if you put it like a dice they towards dice. the edge of the table and just slap that bitch off. If that were a board game, the cats would win. It's true. And uh, as we are a podcast, we're also on a whole bunch of fucking podcast directories now, so that's cool. Yep, we're on the Apple Podcasts, we're on the Google Play Store, we're on Stitcher, and on Spotify. Got it. Yay. High five. You just high five yourself? I sure did. That's really fucking lame. You want to give me a high five? No, high five. That's good. There. That's better. Yeah, it feels a little less sad. I mean, I wasn't sad, you were sad. Yep. Well, there you have it. Until next time, I'm John. I'm Kayla. And this is how we roll.